You are listening to High Shelf Gaming. This is a show where we talk about board games and role-playing games and gaming conventions. If this is what you're looking for, please keep listening. You can always find us on our website, Facebook group, Facebook page, or on Twitter and Twitch and Discord, all under the name High Shelf Gaming. Super easy to join the community, and we look forward to meeting you. Hey everyone, David Gillespie here again with High Shelf Gaming, and as always, I am joined by the capricious Rich Wisniewski. Well, Dave, in the Rich's Urban Dictionary, capricious <laughs> means I have so many Capri Suns <laughs> that I'm peeing orange for two days. <laughs> so I'm not too sure what capricious means, but I think it has something to do with Capri Suns, because those are my favorite silverly lined pack even though about one out of four turns out to be a terrible situation with the straw and the hole and my body i love it i you know what that's what capricious means now we're just going to stick with that (laughs) urbandictionary.com it doesn't even exist i love it um and joining us today is brayden from legend keeper brayden dude welcome to the show thank you so much for having me i'm very excited to be here yeah now brayden by way of introduction we always like to ask everybody, what kind of gamer are you? Gamer chops. Yeah, gamer so chops. history or what games do you love? What, what's your, what's your passion? What's your passion? What do you love? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm actually pretty new to tabletop RPGs in general. Um, oh, it's only been like two to three years. Losing on this one, damn it. <laughs> Rich really wants you to start with AD&D as your first game ever. So that's, oh, gotcha. that's what he's yeah. losing on. Of course. <laughs> so you're new to the, the tabletop scene. I am, yeah. What would you consider the first game you played? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's so super new. Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition. Yes. So I think, te- honestly, technically, I think my first one was 4th um, edition. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was in kind of one of those situations where the DM was like pretty new and just didn't have a good grasp on what they were doing. So I actually got song. kind of bored oh. and thought I didn't like D&D. Sure. Uh, which is ironic. Yeah. It's one of those things about gaming in general is that your first time if it's no good you might not come back it's true and i didn't come back for a couple years well that's true in everything but sex well (laughs) (laughs) depends still coming back depends you come back but you may not like get the opportunity again right yeah yeah word spreads and con someone else (laughs) con geez dude no um (laughs) but yeah so i i think that's really interesting there's this whole wave of people who has joined because of fifth edition what what brought you to tabletop gaming um, to be honest, I was actually, I was a big fan of my brother, my brother and me, the podcast by the McElroy brothers. Oh, uh, and I ended up listening to the adventure zone, which is kind of their, like, um, their podcast about fumbling through D and D fifth edition. Yeah. Um, and it just seems like they were having a lot of fun. And my, so my friends and I in, in college, we always call went just short of learning D and and kind of just made our own tabletop Damn game. Kind of. Yes, yes. Homebrew. Ho- yeah, I was about to say some homebrew action where you're just making up some numbers. Oh yeah, it was essentially like, oh, say something, and if you roll above a ten, it happens, <laughs> and if you roll below a ten, it doesn't, hey. and if you roll a ten, roll again. That's pretty much D yes. Yeah, I mean, coin flip me- mechanics that works. You know, like I'm into it. That's great. <laughs> and so we would come up with you know crazy, ridiculous stories. It was just absurd. But then one day, you know, after listening to the Adventure Zone and like playing a little bit of D&D, like fourth edition accidentally one time, I was like, 
I should actually like get a player's handbook and I actually, you know, learn what the hell I'm doing. Dude, yeah, I think that's really neat. It's it's cool that you guys started out with a homebrew. And I think that a lot of folks, maybe they find 5th edition or they find the one game and it's the only game they ever played. It's the only one they love. And that's cool, but it sometimes means that they are uh, limited in the scope of what they could see as a viable game. Unless it's AD&D. Unless... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so it's really cool that you're like, ah, I'm going to start off with some homebrew thing where you guys just made a bunch of stuff up and had total creative control. Yeah, it's it's really nice because you end up with kind of the situation where, you know, I came to it so unstructured that I, yes, I have kind of the bias of like officially, quote unquote, starting with fifth edition. But in the meantime, I've like done so much exploration and like, oh, I've you know, bought Dungeon World and like kind of gotten into the mechanics of that. I haven't found anyone to play it with me yet or had the time, but like Dungeon World is like this, you know, and powered by the apocalypse systems are like really appealing to me and I like them a lot. Yeah. Well, you know what, Braden? We could be playing later tonight because dear (laughs) listener, we found out during intros that we live in the same town and my air conditioner's out and Braden's is not. So... (laughs) Maybe I'll grab a 12-pack, yeah. shoot over there, we'll be in the cool, and we can play Dungeon World all night. Yeah, yeah I think we literally live like 15 minutes from each other. That's amazing. Bizarre. That's so crazy to me. But yeah, I, Powered by the Apocalypse is such a neat series of games, the family of games. We have a couple of fans in the in the audience that play Powered by the Apocalypse games and have threatened to run Powered by the Apocalypse games in our community. Ooh, please do, please do. Yeah, I would love that. I would love that. So if we get one of those I games running, game down. I will ping you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and let you know to come on over to the HSG Discord and get some get some gaming in. Yeah, so encapsulate our topic for the evening if you if you could hazard it, Braden for us. Absolutely. So tonight we'll be talking about world building with Legend Keeper. Yes. The world building platform I am developing. Yes. Oh my God. Okay. You are making this really awesome tool for people who want to make big, expansive worlds and then let their players explore in the world. And guys, it blows my freaking Evernote and OneNote efforts out of the water. Like, <laughs> like when I was seeing it the first time, I was like, oh yeah, this is what I've always wanted. This is exactly the tool. That's like so crazy to hear that. Like just just the fact that people bring up Legend Keeper in the same sentence as like Evernote and OneNote and like Notion just blows my mind. I like can barely comprehend that at all. Well, yeah, you're still in like the beta phase, right? Yeah, very still very early. Right, sure. And okay, so here's the deal. Like you have this really cool tool that allows me to encapsulate all my notes and link from note to note and all of that good stuff. But the thing that really changed everything for me that really made the light bulb go go off was your map system. And folks, the way it is, is you have like a world map and then you can drill down on that map. And there's these thumbtacks that like maybe lead to other places or reference other people. And you click on the thumbtack and boom, there's another map. Right. And then you have nested maps within nested maps. And it's like. It really makes it super easy for me as a as a GM who's making a big expansive world to know, okay, I'm going to place all these things and there's ways for me to navigate to them quickly and surface that information quickly. Like it just blows my mind. So what what drew you to even take on this crazy ambitious project of Legend Keeper? Yeah, it's it's kind of a surprising thing to come to after, you know, not having a ton of experience with RPGs, not having a ton of experience with board games, 
you know, as a child, I would like play Monopoly with my family and hate it. Right. Like naturally just not very. Yes. (laughs) It's a terrible game. (laughs) (laughs) So I am the DM for my group of friends. We play, we're like friends from college and we play every Saturday or every other Saturday. We try to be there. (laughs) You're in. Yes. Yeah, one of our guys might be moving soon. So oh, <laughs> might have a spot open. Okay, hold on. I could come interview for this spot. This yeah. is good. <laughs> you meet you. Uh, yes, you meet. we have applications open. You may submit your resume. <laughs> yes. Do I have to? Can I play a bard? <laughs> the answer to that is always yes. yes. Okay, good. Okay, go go on b- back to our regular. The whole party program. is actually bards. Yes. I'm just kidding. No, no, no. That would be horrible. <laughs> It would be musical. It would be like Newsies. You, you haven't heard Rich sing yet. You might rescind his his uh, position for Bard. <laughs> and you would have to uh, you would have to outperform our current Bard, and he's uh, he's pretty pretty talented Damn man. It. Oh, rough. <laughs> um, so I was you know DMing for my my group right, and our we play like a pretty casual game, not very serious. We kind of favor like theater of the mind oh. and you know, fun and storytelling and just laughing our asses off over like more mechanical play, right? not to diss mechanical play like at all. Uh, I think there's like a time for it, right. Or a different, everyone likes something different, right? Well, you, you and I are simpatico there because I am all about the story. I'm all about the story. The tools of the mechanics are, are there to get me a good story. Right. Yeah, exactly. other, Other players really focus on the mechanic side and that's totally valid. Just not my style, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, kind of in my kind of view, it's like if I want lots of mechanics, um, I'll I'll play a video game, to be honest. And maybe that's a little like diminutive. But like if I if I want to like chew on like a nice, you know, I'm a programmer, right? I like crunchy mechanical things. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I want to break from that. Or if I do want it, I'll go play like Dwarf Fortress or something that's like very like mechanically satisfying. Holy shit. Do you play Dwarf Fortress? Yeah. Uh, it's been a while, but that's like the the game I think of when I think of like the game of games yeah. is is in my mind Dwarf Fortress. Okay, yeah, your sure. points are going up. I think we just need to focus on <laughs> video games for my questions in the future, and we will be getting points up. But go on. So I'm, I'm DMing for this group, and even even a and casual you. game with like less focus on world building still does a surprising amount of world building through just ad hoc through your jokes and like the little side stories that come up. Oh, yeah. You end up fleshing out like a pretty rich world kind of on accident yeah um i want to say that like all the best worlds i've ever made had like 20 to 50 sessions under their belt and it was just like you say you as they're going along you have to invent all this stuff and if you don't ever write it down then it doesn't exist really so you got to write it down somewhere and you got to organize it somehow Exactly. And so I would find myself struggling to keep up with all these details. And as silly as they were, like we had this character like Digby, who it was just like a little boy they met on the side of the road who like he was just digging for clams. And he's like, hey, I'm Digby. uh, You guys want to buy some clams? Um, I fucking love you. I want Digby in my life at all times. I want to be in this game. Oh, my God. And so they end up like trading him to uh, a wraith somehow. And he gets like banished to the ethereal realm, yes. and little little do they, do they know he'll be coming back as Digby, the eternal cl- clam race. Yes. And it, you know it'll be that is the most beautiful thing I've heard. Yeah, so you have to write that down so you remember the thread later. 
Right, exactly. It's it's like this little thread, this little seed I've planted, and I, it needs to live somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I started exploring tools to actually do that, right? So, you know, uh, paper and binder, which is perfectly suitable, right? Uh, OneNote. I played with Realmworks. If you guys are familiar, it's a desktop application. Mm, no. But nothing I found kind of satisfied my kind of the way I think about it, right? Um, which was very like map oriented. Like this is a this is a world exploration kind of experience. Yeah. And I when I open it up, whatever the software is, I want to I want to see a map in front of me. I want to like using the software should also feel like exploring. Right. No, exactly. Like I mean, Google has trained us. We want search bars and we want maps. Exactly. And there's there's this like in like the zeitgeist of you know, software experience, there are certain patterns that have emerged and have only been reinforced over, you know, the past, you know, decade of kind of modern applications or whatever. And so it's like, well, I'm a software engineer. I, so I, I make dating apps by day. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, wait. Bro, okay. bro on, we need to talk. I need all the love and help I can get. <laughs> All right, hold on, hold on, hold on. You guys sidebar how you get rich, like to show up in everybody's search results. I, okay, on, number right. one, <laughs> that is number one. Number two is the game that happens every other Saturday. I am now, Braden. Is there a Patreon level like a hundred dollars a month so I can sign up for this knowledge? <laughs> He doesn't even want the app. He just wants all the bennies that comes with being in your life. <laughs> <laughs> okay, back to you, Dave. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. So, yeah, I think that that's, that's one of those things that just kind of organically happens. And I think that every yeah. GM struggles with this because it's like, oh, we've done so much cool stuff, but how do I... How do I organize this? That's always the trick is like, I have all this knowledge written down or in notes, but it's like, how do I organize this in a way that's going to allow me to actually use it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And so there's there's a lot of applications out there that um, help you consume that data in in a nice way, right? Like if you look at, you know, Legend Keeper takes a lot of inspiration from Google Maps and OneNote and Notion, right? You go to Google Maps exploring on google maps is pretty fun yeah but what about the opposite what about creating maps right that's that's not something that gets a lot of thought obviously there's stuff out there that does this right legend keeper is not exact the the totality of legend keeper is not an original idea per se right it's 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 a culmination of a ton of ideas that have existed in applications as people have been developing them over the past like two decades sure but kind of preserving that joy of consumption and making it like just as fun to like input the data too, like Data entry, if, if your data entry is boring, you're not going to want to do it. Right. Excuse me. One of the challenges I've always had with like OneNote and Evernote is that the data entry really wants me to do it a certain way. Yeah. And, and it really only lets me organize it a certain way. And r- relating those articles to one another is always a just a bear because it's like, all right, now I got to like right click, link. And it's a lot of manual steps to getting all my stuff to like talk to like all the work that I've put into it, getting it all to relate to one another in a, in a, in a cohesive way. That's always been my struggle. And like you have this really cool auto linking feature that I just say, all right, I'm done writing this article, right click auto link. And it just goes through and says, Oh, well you have an article about uh, the Arasaka orphans. 
do you want this to be a, a hyperlink so that you can reference it later? And I was like, yes, that is exactly what I want. Oh Thank my you. God. Yeah. It, oh, that thing right there. I mean, that alone is like the killer thing for me. Just making it so that it's so easy for me to relate my things from one article to the other. And I don't have to right click and then tell it to link and then find the thing it links to. And then brah, brah, and it's so easy. Thank you so much. Yeah. I'm so excited to hear people love the the auto linking because it's one it was really fun to make it's a very like challenging technical problem that's like just really fun to think about hmm. but also it's like cool as hell so i i actually got inspiration from that for from realmworks and then someone in discord was like hey you know that like feature in realmworks where they do auto linking like you should do that and i'm like oh shit i, I should do that yes. that's amazing yes oh that's great that's so good yeah, so, okay, uh, actually, this gets into a question um, I, I asked in your Discord uh, <clears throat> from some of the other Legend Keeper people, and Silent Echo asked, what is the biggest challenge? And I don't like superlatives, so I don't like to know the biggest, but what is a significant challenge that you have conquered so far in Legend Keeper? I, so this is kind of a theme that I keep bringing up in the Discord, so, like, anyone who's, like, kind of kept up with the chat will probably, like, predict my answer, but... Mm. Just keeping the experience tight and understandable, I think, is by far harder than any like individual technical problem, because like inevitably what happens is if you if you come up to a problem that has like a a complicated algorithmic solution, uh, those are like fun. Right. And but there's probably a bunch of research papers out there that have addressed this problem before. So it's like it's a solved problem. Hmm. And so it's one of those things where it's, it's just a matter of implementation. But like making a world building app that is like fun and easy to use and like doesn't get worse with every feature you add is like the real challenge because information management apps have this, have this tendency to get incredibly complex over time. And like every like commit I make to the code repository is like an exercise and like trying to keep that complexity down. Oh, wow. Yeah. uh, So Rich and I, in our real lives, we are sales engineers and both of us deal with a lot of products that do information management. And you are 100% correct. Hey, we got a new feature. All right. It's a new button. It's a new check thing. It's a new field you got to fill out. And Oh, hell, Dave, you know, I just tell people yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it does the thing. I just look at Braden and go, come on, bro. Can't you make it? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The poor programmer has to like live with the promises that are made by the sales team. No. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things that I see with every product that it's been around for, say, three to five years and it has tons of features, but like there's buttons everywhere and it's kind of hard to know how to get to the thing you really want to do. And you were spot on. Legend Keeper is very trimmed down. Yeah, thank you. And and the ongoing challenge is is keeping that way, right? Because um, people have tons of requests and I, I can't honor all of them just because it's it's important to kind of maintain kind of a, I would say, a fairly um, like concise vision for an application. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, like I'm, I'm always listening to what people are saying and people are like, oh, I, I don't know if this has been brought up before, but, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, it's great if stuff has been brought up before, right? The frequency of requests like really helps me get like a heartbeat on what people want. Like, for example, um, people are always like, when, when is there going to be like a timeline feature or like, Ooh, yeah. I want to, I want to see events organized in a history. And I'm like, that is such a cool feature, but it's one of those things where it's like, and spoiler alert, I am going to make a timeline feature, um, but <laughs> of course, yeah, but it's one of those things where it's like, if it's going to be there, it has to be good in the context of everything else in the app, right? It has to be just as, as integrated with the system as the, you know, wiki and the map are like, it's got to be very 
nicely integrated. Yeah, like I could almost see you could throw up a timeline feature that just had a timeline on it. But wouldn't it be cooler if you could explore that timeline the same way you would a map? where there's drill yeah, downs absolutely. and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, because I often see a feature where it's like, where did that stupid feature come from? Because it looks so different than the rest of the product. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I could I could spend an afternoon and add a timeline tab and add another, you know, data entry form box where you can put a put put in your custom months and your year and, you know, dates and stuff. And right. then it just shows up on a timeline. But like that's not enough for for kind of what. Justin, Justin's the designer of Legend Keeper. That's not enough for what Justin and I are going for. Mm. Uh, it's got to be like, oh, um, <clears throat> you are in a, you know, an article and you reference a date and then it picks up that that's a date. And it's like, oh, do you want to add this to the world's timeline? Oh, and like, it's got to yeah. be like, so you don't you shouldn't have to think about it at all. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, again, that article linking the auto link feature. I don't even think about it. I just enable it and then I go in through and go, yep, 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 yep. Those are all the things I want. Cool. And it's nice that you're already thinking about, yes, I want to do the timeline thing, but it has to be just as easy, basically, just as fun to use as the auto linking feature. And that is really feeds my like completionist, you know, like (laughs) the the part of me that says this has to be completely, completely built out. Yeah, there's there's almost kind of an, an aspect of gamification of world building a little bit just by. Just by the fact that, you know, when you're writing an article and you like if you press forward slash and say like, oh, I want to create a new article with this name, it like puts a to do tag on it. Right. Like automatically. It's just there. And so when you go to your wiki later and you and you filter by to do tags, it's like, oh, here's all this like work I generated. Let me, you know, um, you know, fill some of this stuff out or not or, you know, whatever. Right. And it's it's kind of satisfying. Yeah. I'm a very task oriented person myself. So like seeing my task list is pretty nice and seeing it get smaller <laughs> is also pretty nice no lie so we kind of talked a little bit about what legend keeper does and like legend keeper doesn't make maps but it allows you to manage maps exactly do you have some tools out there that you use for, to supplement things like map making or uh, things along those lines tools that you currently use or maybe tools that you would like to integrate with legend keeper at a at a later date yeah for sure so i i think my my favorite map making tool by far is wonder draft um yeah it's really good for kind of macro level maps oh yeah um and the the guy who makes it mega splute is like a super cool super cool dude yes (laughs) very nice guy very talented developer and it's it's really nice to like go into wonder draft you know get get creative in in wonder draft mode right in its in its experience that it presents to you Mm -hmm export a you know a huge ass map like 8k by 8k and then drop it into legend keeper and now you've got you know that kind of nice integration one of the cool things about like not being a map maker is that because legend keeper has so few opinions about where your map comes from like as long as it's a jpeg and it's like under roughly like 16,000 by 16,000 pixels like it's going in right yeah um, which oh, means yeah. like you can use wonder draft or you know incarnate i think incarnate's maps don't get very big campaign cartographer if i don't know if people still use that it's somewhat old yeah or just plain Um, old photoshop i mean yeah absolutely so by being by having a a future game i can just go to google maps and say all right i want this i want this city i'm gonna load into photoshop remove all the names replace with names i like and then (laughs) toss it in the legend keeper and that's the official gm map right yeah absolutely yeah i really like that you don't put a restriction on where my information comes from 
makes it so much easier for me to be kind of game agnostic. Yeah. And I've, I've also been talking with like map artists, like, um, been talking a little bit with Ross from two minute tabletop about like, what would having like pre-packaged sets of maps in legend keeper look like? So imagine a future where like, I don't, I don't know if you guys were using legend keeper, like a few versions back, there was like a modules tab. Yes. Uh, and you tapped on it. It said coming soon. It, Turned out to be a lot coming later than I thought, so I ended up removing the tab. <laughs> but imagine a world where, like, you go to that tab and you see, like, oh, it's like here are some of you know Ross's maps from Two Minute Tabletop. Mm. I'm gonna install oh, those into my world, wow. and now they just show up in my map collection, I right? Like, like it. stuff like that. Where sometimes you want to make your own stuff, right? But then sometimes it's nice to have, like, well, here's like a nicely curated, really high quality tavern map, right? And just, you need a tavern, here you go. Or you need like a spaceport, here you go. Oh, you know, okay, bringing up spaceports, when we did our Traveler game, I reached out to the guys over at yet another Traveler blog, and they make a giant PDF of geomorphs for like space stations and spaceships. Mm. And it's so nice because they all just link together. They all just fit with one another. So it's like, That's cool. I have a, I have a morph for where all the fuel is and another one where the, where the hydroponics bay is and another one where the whatever thing is. And I could, you know, I just loaded them up in Photoshop and put them all together. I love the idea of you having a repository of maps that I could just say, look, I want to pull in this map and use it in my game. And I don't really want to make it, you know, I just want to use something that's already in the system for me. Yeah, sometimes you're like, you know, I can just, any tavern will do here, right? I love that in some of my online RPG playing games, where you can just go to the bar and pull things over. I love some pre-generated stuff, because I'm not as much the guy that that needs to figure it out myself. Oh, yeah. I am very much the guy that says, I got some ideas, Yeah, and I need a foundation that I can build off of. So when things are there like that, they make my game move faster. Honestly, that was a big part of like, have you, do you look at the, the shared world and legend keeper that kind of the whole community is a part of yes. shared landia? Yes. Shared landia is so fun. It's like just, it's just, it's such a cool little ex- exercise. Shared landia makes me so excited to see what people running like huge West marches campaigns come up with. I cannot wait until like the sharing is like at that level of support. Um, but that's kind of a tangent. Um, yeah, so but I let's talk about shared landia real quick. Cause that is a, that is an aspect that gets into kind of a future use of the program. Shardlandia is a collaboration. If you're a member of the Legend Keeper community, you get access to Shardlandia, which is like yes. the one big project that we all get to play with. And it's got like a world map, but then there's all these like special areas and people can submit their own maps and their own characters and their own this and that and the other, their own organizations. And it's like this big collaborative world build that everybody's in on. And it's just amazing. Like it's such a cool thing to watch get get bigger and bigger every time i check it out it's like there's a whole new section of whatever templates and things in there that's just really cool to see people building on and adding to the the template thing has blown my mind the fact that everyone kind of collaborated on creating this like collection of shareable templates within the shared project is like some so like organic and like so like beautifully obvious but i'd never like even thought of that like applications and their users kind of together have a way of speaking to you. Yeah. And that is like the application yelling out like, Hey, there's something here with like templates or snippets or something like there's something, there's a missing space here. There's something, some feature, some, some very like, um, it's emergent intuitive thing goes here. Yeah. Yeah. It's emergent behavior. Like they have the tool and here's how they're going to use the tool to talk 
about the tool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and so people coming up with templates for like, oh, here's a here's an NPC template or here's a ship template. I'm like, oh, my God, like I have to like develop a feature around this. This is going to be so cool. This is one of those unexpected happy surprises. Yeah. Yeah. And I want to say like there's a really cool city template where somebody's like said, here's a bunch of stats you probably want to know about every city. And so here's the, the template for that. And in the cyberpunk world, there's a really cool third party book called Altered Reality that is like a random dice table to make cities happen. I'm looking through this book on how to make various towns in my West Marches game and then seeing that template and I'm like, oh, well, actually, with like a very little massaging of this template, I can move cities that I've made with one system into this template and now it feeds my cyberpunk West Marches game. Yeah, and one of the nice things is because the application is driven so much by the rich text editor, those templates don't really exist, right? They're, they're user-generated content built within the context of the system. Mm-hmm. So like Legend Keeper doesn't have an opinion about this stuff. It, it, an, an opinion has emerged from like a community and like the sharing of this template. And so when like a snippet or a template feature is introduced, it's going to be something that like, you know, within like the editor window of Legend Keeper, you can use like the context menu to access like a snippet manager Ooh, and drop snippets in. Oh, wow. And yeah. so then you don't have like this hard opinion, like uh, a lot of tools kind of project an opinion onto you, right? Like, oh, oh, you want to make a city? What's its population versus, you know, right. kind of drawing that out with with prompting and like kind of mutable prompts, like mushy sort of, you know, user editable things. Oh, I remember one of the questions that we had was, you know, how do you encourage people to fill out a bunch of stuff? And that's one of the ways to do it is you like throw up 20 prompts like all right you're gonna make a new person all right so here's 20 questions about this person it's like well maybe my world doesn't care what sword they carry because there's no swords in this world it's all guns or spaceships or whatever and so like it's really nice to say look there's not like when you make a thing you don't have to answer specific questions you can just start making the thing and if someone has made a template you like to use go and use it but you don't have to yeah, absolutely. Or make your own, right? So you you come up with your own system, you highlight it, you like in this, you know, theoretical feature, right? You highlight it, you save the snippet and it goes into your snippet library and you can summon it later. Or you can go to like, yeah, the community templates where, you know, one of my users is named Lamb Mower. You see like Lamb Mower's, you know, templates for, for world building. You're like, oh, cool. This has like a lot of stars. People must like it a lot. Like, here we go. Yeah, um, yeah. That kind of community social graph sort of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, the 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 social interaction for Legend Keeper is really interesting because everybody on the Discord and folks there's a there's a subreddit and there's a Discord. The Discord I feel like is where it's at. Like What's there's Discord? Oh yeah. So yeah, Rich, you need to get on our Discord, brother. What's the Discord? <laughs> you have you have people asking you questions in Discord on our Discord. <laughs> Honestly, when so the, when that Reddit post blew up, um, I had people messaging me like, "Hey, where's the Discord?" And that was exactly what I was saying was, "What what's Discord?" Oh wow, I yeah. <laughs> uh, one of the things that really comes up a whole lot is, you know, we've talked a little bit about how Legend Keeper doesn't tell you how to enter data, but there's there is a kind of a sense of of best practices with Legend Keeper, like around the tags versus like beings and places and you you don't put beings inside of places but you can use the tag system do you have do you have an opinion 
on information organization structures and how to best leverage Legend Keeper to help you organize your information when it comes to the tags and the types of information and all of that stuff? Yeah, this this is a very interesting question because it's one of those things where obviously, you know, I I was the original customer of the tool, right? right. Uh, I was making it for myself and then I shared it and then shit got real. Yes. And I'm like, oh man, I should I should, you know, invite other people to this. You think you know the best practices for this thing you're making and then other people use it and you continue to be surprised. So for example, like the category system, you organize your articles into these five like meta, like high arching categories, Mm -hmm. uh, places, beings, items, abilities, and then codex, which is kind of like the miscellaneous category where you'd put like world history and stuff. Interestingly, if you create a new world, the default articles created in the codex are actually from like 10 categories from the Dewey Decimal System. Uh, it's a very strange, <gasps> fun fact about. Really? Uh, oh my god! Yeah, I'm they're... more in love. <laughs> really? But the, but the thing is, that's actually had a lot of friction. And like as I've used it, I'm like, is is this like what's best going forward? And to be honest, it's it's probably not. Legend Keeper tries to have very little opinion, and the categories is where it actually has a lot of opinion. Um, and it's it's kind of a hard problem to solve. I still haven't quite like cracked it yet, but. I think it's very likely that the categories themselves will be going away uh, in favor of kind of like a free nest anything anywhere sort of system and then really investing in the tag system to be even more powerful to like organize information like in that dimension. Yeah, I want to say that that's kind of how I've started to use it. I have beings, I have people listed out, but I don't worry about where they live in the world. I just tag where they live in the world because like in cyberpunk, you can live in uh, Westbrook, you can work in the middle of Night City and your uh, side hustle or your lover is in Pacifica. And so like that NPC could live, could be found in any of those three different places. So for me to put them in a place is way too restrictive for me. But that's how my game works, you know, like yeah. uh, other people like, I don't know, the barmaid just lives upstairs, you know, in the apartments above the bar. So they're always at this one place. So I can totally see like the schism there. But for me, it has worked out such that the tags, I'm really glad the tags are there because I can just tag all the things about this being that I need to so I can help reference this person and the places they're involved in, the entities that they're involved in, and the codex references, I can just kind of tag all of that and, and be done with it. Yeah, this is one of those things where a lot of people are kind of coming up with their own solutions. And I think ultimately, it's it's still kind of an open question, like even for me, because I actually did like a bunch of research and looked up like research papers on like the ontological organization of the world's information and shit like that because of like <laughs> well building Fuck. building it's already way too much work <laughs> that's wow dude that's well wow. you of all the people you were the one that needs to do that research right <laughs> well because it's like if you're let's say you're building like a, a world right which by definition because it exists in our world is like a microcosm of our world right. and if people have figured out how to organize our world's information then sure that could apply to the worlds within that world right but and so i like literally like read papers and articles about like you know trees tree like hierarchies and folders versus tagging and like so like for example like organizing things in trees is something that's very intuitive at first and then the larger your information like the larger your like database gets the less intuitive it becomes because you run into stuff like oh well 
Charlie, the 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 spaceport attendant, is usually in the spaceport, so I'll put him under spaceport. Wait, but he's at home on Tuesday, so I look what? Oh, I don't know where to put him. Right. Versus like tags, kind of are are very weak at first. Tags are much harder to understand in the beginning, but as your database grows, they actually become they like retain their flexibility no matter how much your the amount of data um, persists. And honestly, Legend Keeper is also getting one more kind of dimension of organization, which is something called the relation system, uh, in which it'll be right under tags or right above it, where you can say, this is actually how this article relates to another one. And you can give that relation a name. So you can say like, oh, like Sophie is the sister to, you know, Craig or whatever. Right. And then if you click that relation, you can see like a graph, like an actual like node mind map Dude, of like you are how these like, arrows go through. So happy. You have no right idea. Now. You have no he idea. Is like I am going to have a complex, unbelievable incest calendar. Of <laughs> incest calendar? <laughs> and they will all what be related. Calendar? Everybody will be related through this hierarchy of incest. There's okay. But, the, the relationship map is something that I learned with my first role-playing game in the White Wolf world. And the relationship mm-hmm. map oh, is like so wolf. important. And I've got, I've, I wrote down relationship maps for everything. So yeah, the idea that you're going to put in a relation, a special tagging system for relation He's is happy. like, oh, that's going to make me so happy, dude. I cannot wait. Yeah, I cannot I wait. It's one of those things that's like, I think really asking to be there. But again, just like the timeline thing, it's, you know, it's got to, it's got to make sense. It's got to be intuitive. It's got to be natural. It can't feel like the moment Legend Keeper feels like filling out forms is the moment I have lost. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's kind of antithetical to what I'm going for. And so, but if it's fun, if you could like bring up your nodes on a map and like draw arrows between them and and like map them and like, that would be so, so much fun. Yes. In my opinion, personally. Yes. (laughs) And then have relationships with more than one thing. Right. Be- oh, yeah, absolutely. Because like in in our game, we have these nomad tribes and they are families to one another. So there's a family and then the families, mm-hmm. some families have gotten together and they've formed a clan. And then there's clans that get together and form a tribe. And there's mm-hmm. tribes that get together and form a nation. And so there's all these like crisscrossy relationshipy things that are fun to explore because it's like, all right, well, these guys we have a great relationship with and, you know, we work with them all the time. And these other guys, we they kind of betrayed us last time, but we still have to work with them because of their politics. Like that kind of stuff is really cool to just have at a DM's fingertips to say, all right. You guys are talking to these guys. How do they feel about each other? How do they feel about the other people? Right? Yeah, absolutely. So it, like the, the relationship system would in general be like very free form. And then I imagine like best practices would form around it much like everything else. Yes. Um, so that like you can say like, mm-hmm. oh, is family of is in this tribe. And you can say whether it's like bidirectional or yes. like it's one way relationship. Yes. Um, oh, and it would yes. show up in your sidebar just like your list of, you know, your list of tags. And then you could maybe like, you know, view your entire world's graph, right? And kind of explore it. Like, like, honestly, a a mind map is actually not that much different than the map, like the atlas, the map page. It's like another way of looking at the wiki. And so it's it's kind of like if you think of the atlas as another view onto the wiki and the wiki is kind of like this centralized data repository, the timeline and the mind map are just another way of looking at that centralized data. Yes. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, I cannot wait. (laughs) Dude, and what's great about this is 
everybody, I mean, it just feels like everyone has the ability to influence this. Sounds like Dave's influencing stuff right now <laughs> on what's coming up. And, you know, that's what's really awesome about being something. And, dude, life's changed. You know, you guys talked about campaign photographer. I used that back in the day Oh, on wow. my Dell PC computer. Yes. And, you know, it was what we had and you got what you got and there was no real feedback Dude, this thing is all full of feedback. And not only that, observational. Sounds like, Brandon, you're watching what's going on. Oh, yeah. On. Like, I, the Discord has been Braden. so oh, incredible. Sorry. My computer. Oh, that's fine. Braden. If you, I didn't even notice if you, if that is indicative of how many times in my life I've been called Brandon. Um, <clears throat> but, uh, like, I'm, I'm always watching the Discord like a hawk because I think one of the, it's, it's kind of balancing two things, right? Like, I have a vision for Legend Keeper that, like, you don't want something to be designed by a committee, right? But you also don't want to be completely blind to the people that are actually using your application. Um, and like kind of walking that line is, is super important because users have come up with like genius insights that I wouldn't have in a million years found by myself. Yeah, I think that once you drop like the timeline and the store in the relationship stuff, there's going to be a ton of new behavior around that kind of stuff because those are big, powerful tools that people will make either tons of use of or no use of. And it'll be one of those things to kind of see like the folks that really dive into it, what all they can massage out of it. Yeah. And that's actually something I'm, I'm really paying close attention to. So I'm actually doing anonymous usage analytics and I'm actually seeing like heat maps of like where people are going in the app. Um, and I'll get like pretty, pretty surprising answers to like where people aren't going, like something that I think will be really cool. Like for example, the, like the story page um, is you being used at a rate of 3% of everything else in the app. Wow. Like it's obviously the people that are using it are getting a lot of value out of it. Sure. But as a percentage of like overall usage, it's getting used very little, which was surprising to me. Cause I'm like, Oh, it's like the free form, like place where you drop like your personal documents. But it's, it's one of those things where it's so early that I'm not able to say like, Oh, well this is just not a useful feature. It's, it's, it's probably more likely that it's, it just hasn't gotten like the user experience love that it needs I, to flourish. Right. I was going to say, so my, I'm using story for like my personal history. That's actually where my timeline stuff goes, mm -hmm. but that's also where all of my players, when they do their write-ups of the session, they're all going to end up in the story section. So yeah. then I can just auto link to all the things that they write about. I'll just auto link to all the articles I've written. And so I'm not using it a lot right now because we've only got like one session under our belt in this game that I've been prepping for for months. And then certainly once I can start bringing players in as various contributors, then I can see stories really blowing up because I want to give them access to that to just start writing out character history, you know, things that don't belong on the map all goes in the story section for me. So like I want all the character background stuff to be there. I want all of the all their plans to go up in that section. So I think that that's a feature you're going to see more love. Yeah, it's it's definitely not going anywhere. It's one of those things where like those anonymous analytics like kind of give the app a chance to like reach out to me and be like, oh, this this part of me needs more love. <laughs> <laughs> and so like, for example, like even little things like um, like when you go to the story screen and you click a story, one stories don't have a custom image. 
Um, that's a huge problem. Um, mm. And then when you when you click on the the image, you come and you end up on a blank screen. It doesn't like select the first like quote unquote like chapter of the story. Oh yeah. Um, all the all of that kind of stuff has been shown to like reduce like user satisfaction because that's just not huh. a good experience. And it's just one of those things where like I've been so focused on the sharing feature that I haven't gone and like cleaned that up. Sure, sure. Like those little tiny things actually impact the user a ton. It's always very surprising. Like as soon as you said about the image thing, I was like, oh yeah. Yeah, that's a thing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And like, like for example, when I first opened the beta, it was like beta phase one. One of my users, one of the first people to use it, I invited them. And then like a couple of days later, they kind of sent me sent me their feedback. And they were like, oh, Legend Keeper is really awesome. I love it. It only took me 15 minutes to figure out everything I needed to know. And I'm like, whoa. I was like, oh, 15 minutes, that's that's kind of a long time. Like, I've, Oh, my I've, God, that seems like no time. <laughs> it, like, I want it down to like five minutes tops. Like, it's it's got to be the the goals for intuitiveness are really lofty. Well, you're just about to I think find that's so out because I signed up, brother. Oh, so shit. So if it seriously, it should take me 30 minutes. If it takes <laughs> someone that's somewhat smart 15. <laughs> so, oh, so actually, let's talk about this. How do people sign up for Legend Keeper? How do people get access to this product? For sure. So it's not really ideal right now. Kind of this structure came out organically from the Reddit explosion. Someone was like, hey, like, this is super cool. You should make a Patreon. And I'm like, uh, Patreon, what's that? Yes. Uh, <laughs> Discord, what's that? Patreon, what's that? Let's yeah, exactly. Yes. So I made a Patreon and then a bunch of people gave me a lot of money. And I was like, man, people are really interested in this. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I made this Patreon and I'm like, okay. Toss me, toss me five bucks and I'll, I'll send you an invite. And that's, that's how it's been. And so the, the beta currently is kind of this like unlimited access sort of thing where if you just pledge on the Patreon once, I'm going to send you an invite and you can kind of use it as you please. Yeah. And, and the other thing is uh, we also get uh, some invites. So I can invite people to, to my game. Now, when they get invited, they're as admins, I believe right now. Yeah, that's going to be changing very soon. Um, I'm almost done with the permission system. Permission systems are a nightmare to build, uh, especially in like this kind of shared document system where yeah. like, oh, you can access these, these and these, but you can't access this. But you can because you're in this group. Yeah, uh, it, you can it's read all... this, but you can't write to it. And uh, yeah, the permissions touch everything. Yeah, and I'm almost done, and it'll also have real-time capabilities as well, so, like, <gasps> if your permissions change, like, you'll see it live, like, in the app. Dave, oh. you can boot me right as I start burning your world. I cannot exactly. wait. I cannot wait. It's like, oh, Rich's character died. Remove all access. <laughs> and so that's the that's the big thing that people are really waiting for, because, like, in most situations, it's not really appropriate to invite all of your, like, if you're, if you're, so... We've got a lot of RPG folks, right? And we've got a lot of novelists. And the novelists don't care about any of like the RPG stuff for the most part, uh, which is great. Like I want them to use it as well, they as, as they want to, right? How crazy! Yeah, yeah, I know. Isn't that awesome? That's like I think like thirty to forty percent of the user base, uh, according to survey, was like people like using it for books, oh, uh, which is just is which so blows my mind. Cool. Never so wait, wait. Okay, okay. No, hold on. I'm hold glad on. Hold you on. touched on that. Okay, how does a novelist use it? And that is different than how I would use it. Let's heat map this. Yeah, honestly, this is, it's actually yeah. it's actually not that different not because really because think about what you're doing as a dungeon master, right? You're you're writing a world. You're doing it in kind of an emergent sort of way that's sure. also guided by your players too. But it's kind of what a novelist is doing. So what happens is people will, you know, people have messaged me and like, hey, I'm like 
you know, writing this fantasy novel and like, oh, I have this like Legend Keeper is great for like uploading my map and like mapping out the events and like world history of my world. And then like from they use Legend Keeper to kind of build their setting and then they'll just go and write, you know, about their setting. Wow. And it's just a way to like organize in the, in the exact same way an RPG campaign is organized, to be, to be honest. It's 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 made me realize that DMs and writers have a ton in common. Wow. Well, you know, if we look back on um, R.A. Salvatore. Yeah. Solve, is that right? Didn't it wasn't that all kind of springboarded out of a D&D game? Well, sure. Uh, the Expanse is coming out of a D&D game, a oh, D&D yeah. uh, mo- a modern game. Lotus War was an anime that came out of a D&D game. So, yeah. Mazes uh, and Monsters? <laughs> I don't think that came out of a D&D game. Oh, that's right. <laughs> but, yeah, I think that it's really kind of cool because whenever I go and talk, we have a one of our one of our community members, Patrick Canoes, he was on our Traveler episode. He's also a, a novelist. And talking to him about how he goes about building out his world and all of that kind of stuff really sounded an awful lot like how I, as a GM, go out building, go around building out my world. It's just a ton. Like, what are the yeah. politics? What are the gods like? What are the things like? How do, how do people get bread? Oh, my God. I get to build my own religions. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, this is going to be so good. Yeah. This is going to be so good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just one of those things that just, I don't know, there's, um, it was a real eye-opening moment when I talked to Patrick a little bit about it, and to hear you kind of echo that is really kind of amazing to me that as a GM, I'm kind of doing the same work as a novelist when it comes to building out my setting. Dave, we're writing yeah. books next. I can't wait. Let's do it. We're Let's, writing books. They're going to be awful. They're going to be so bad. But we, I have an we idea for a guy named yeah. Larry Hodder. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Good. You should keep that idea to yourself. <laughs> the Ballad of Larry Hodder and the Broken AC. That is a great title to start my first chapter. <laughs> the conflict is the AC does not want to come on. <laughs> and um, I desperately want it to come on. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of the a lot of the dungeon master users um, have said like, "Oh, I'm waiting for like the granular permission system to come out so that my players can't see everything I've been making," which makes total sense. Sure. And so I'm I'm, I'm excited for it's it's a pretty like flexible system. So imagine like you could invite your players and they like take over a town. You're like, okay, I'm gonna give you guys edit rights over this town and everything like in the articles underneath it, right? Like you know something you know there's all sorts of kind of novel sort of things you could do with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. If they wanted to like. So, Brayden, know, how long has this journey been? I was kicking around the idea a lot in 2017. It was just a lot of like just ponderings on my yeah. part. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then finally I I sat down and started writing it in like last January, January 2018. 18. Wow. So it's been over a year and a half now. And it, pa- what's interesting Patreon is. Patreon kicked off about when? Eight months after that. Sure. And have you taken a vacation since? Not really. Yeah. It sounds like this has become a huge passion project that you're on it every day. Uh, I am obsessed with it. It's like it's like my great joy and like sometimes a nightmare, but usually like like joy and like love. It's so fantastic. The It's fun to work on. The community is really positive. It's got good vibes. Um, yes. Everyone's super nice. Like I just it's. Yes. And you it, mentioned your graphics partner. And please mention his name again. Justin. Justin. Who else is going down this journey with you from a development point of view? So it's really just me and Justin at this point. Yeah. Yeah. You guys have done a lot for two people. You have done a lot. 
I'm really blown away. <laughs> yeah, so Justin is like the... To, like, open the door for him to, like, drop another four names. So, you know, give everybody credit where credit's due. Holy shit, it's you too. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. I'm I, looking back on kind of the progress. It's it's I'm very thankful and grateful for like this kind of opportunity. It's it's pretty nuts. But yeah, Justin does all of the design work and does like, you know, graphic design work, obviously, but also a ton of like user experience consulting on it and uh, UI and and UX. Yeah. And then I do all the code stuff. Right. Yeah. And and I guess guide the the product vision or whatever you would. I guess I'm my own product manager or whatever. Yeah. You you, the two of you wear a ton of hats. You have to for a two person project. And and I have to say that like Justin's contributions are significant because the layout and the ease of use. And I got to say, when I started writing out a bunch of articles that that fed off of one another, the moment when the light bulb went off was when I had when I was hovering over town, I'd been putting a lot of work into and I hovered over the town on the map, and then I saw my articles about that. And in that article were a bunch of links about the sheriff and about the police force and about the local crime oh, and, and gangs. And I hovered over those, and I saw all of that stuff break, break out. And I was like, oh, cool. Now let's talk about this bike that this one guy has. Hover over that. It was just so cool to see all that stuff pop up instantaneously. We're like, okay, I get it. I get exactly yeah. how I'm supposed to use this. I'm going to run the game and off on one monitor is the Legend Keeper app. And I'm just going to hover over the things that I need as I need them. And the players are going to think I just have all this stuff in front of me on a sheet of paper. It's like, no, 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 no. I'm I'm exploring the world I've made. And because my links are so good, I'm finding the information that I need super fast. Thank oh, you, Justin. God. Thank you, Justin, for that. Yeah, I want to put it on the record. Justin is a goddamn genius. Uh, the guy's amazing and is incredibly talented. That's uh, awesome. And oh, yeah, the so legend keeper definitely wouldn't be where it is without his like amazing insight and skill and attention to detail for sure. Legend keeper part two, we interview Justin and how much Braden's a taskmaster and slave master. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting. So Justin is actually the, um, designer for the product I work on during the day. Oh, uh, so he works Ooh, at my I company. I need to know him too. Yeah. <laughs> I love this. Two new dating app friends. Okay, go on. Here's a, okay. So, uh, Shelfies, dear listener, we get like another two hundred something bucks, and Brayden's recording music. Oh, shit. his Patreon gets to five k a month. He's dropping a video. He's going Logan Paul, dapping it out, dropping a video for us. <laughs> okay, to be fair, to be fair, we've actually hit the 5,000 goal twice. Where's oh. the <laughs> and it's just one of those things that like, it's, it's kind of like, uh, do you want me to like spend a week making a video or do you want me to like work on sharing? I want the video. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. Everybody in the community is like, yeah, 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 yeah. Make the sharing happen. <laughs> Make yeah, for sure. But I, I am so excited to make that video because this is a, a secret spoiler for like, I guess, everyone listening to this. I plan to make it like very stupidly high production value. Yes. It's not going to have like a set or anything, but like I, I did used to be like a music producer. So it's I'm I'm going to go pretty ham on it, I think. Yes. So what is the OK? You, you you've tripped the alarm for the music video. When when's our expected drop date for this? That it's so hard to say. Much 20, like 20, every legend keeper feature, I'm just yeah. gonna be like soon. Twenty twenty one. Twenty twenty one. Yeah. Yeah. Twenty twenty one. Come, the come moment, back to us like, later. The, the the moment I've you will never see a date in any of my Discord history, and there's a big reason for that, because you take any date and it just becomes like 
the gospel and you get in trouble. It's yeah. one of those things that like, as soon as you're talking about something, all of a sudden that's a promise. And as soon right. as there's a date, all of a sudden that's a contractual commitment that you've entered into. And it's exactly. like, no, that's not how it works. You have a life and outside sorry, of this too. <laughs> I'm just going to hold my breath for the music video. <laughs> but yeah, so we, we've actually reached the music video goal twice. That is awesome, dude. That is so cool. Cause I've got like all of this, like, kind of memeable material from like the discord and shared landia. I want to make it like a very like wholesome, wholesome production of like legend keeper, like fan lore. I or, like, love community it. lore. Oh, can it have got, a disco theme? Okay. Hold on. Hold on. You've got to like, we've already kind of dropped some names from the discord. Like if you could just do tons of little winks and nods to the users, you know, people are gonna go nuts for that. Like I'm in this guy's video. And it's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Like when there was a, a joke for a long time that Legend Keeper was going to release on this guy's 21st birthday. Yes. And that was just like a meme for, for like months. Everyone's <laughs> like, oh man, can't wait till uh, August 12th when uh, Epic Dwarf is 21. That's going to be fun for Legend Keeper to come out. And everyone just continuously just like buying into this thing. I didn't even have to say anything, right? It just yeah. suddenly became that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just fun stuff like that. Oh, that's awesome. That is so good. I love it. So actually, we've already covered a ton of the other questions that came out of the Discord just in our own discussion. But I do want to touch on, it always comes up, and I want to just put it on the record, VTT. Is this going to be VTT? You mentioned that live edit of documents with one another is a goal, but VTT is different. That's moving pucks around a map with things happening on it and all that kind of stuff with like a dice roller. That's not part of Legend Keeper's scope, right? That's a complicated question to answer. Okay. Yeah, let's unpack that a little bit. I think officially my answer right now is no, that is out of scope. Right. But if you look at the features and infrastructure I'm putting in, I could definitely see a world where kind of just like there's emergent snippet and template behavior, right? There could be some emergent VTT kind of behavior. Well, and I'm right here, here, folks, August 12th. It's it's, it's a promise. So I I think I think for sure Legend Keeper, I don't think will ever be advertised as a VTT application because I think that's because it really isn't and probably like. Never will be. One of the cool things you have in there that really doesn't get a lot of touch is the ability to do the uh, the self-generating stuff. Yes. Oh, and that, that stuff's... And it's so interesting because it's one of those things you got to go into it with like, you got to know what you're doing when you play around with that. But like I mentioned Altered um, altered Reality earlier, the, the book I used to help make out cities, that those tables could be moved into your auto generating tool, which uses some RNG stuff, which means that dice rolling is conceivably possible. So I could totally see how someone would know this is not a VTT product, but someone could emergently make that happen for their group. Yeah. So like if you, so for, for those who don't know, legend keeper has a hidden somewhat hidden procedural generation system. It's so cool. Um, that hasn't gotten any like user experience love at all. So it's still very confusing to use. It is like, it's super powerful, but it's, it's just really hard to use. And it's kind of buggy where you can create essentially like your own Mad Libs that like have like internally reference themselves. And like, so you can create like a tavern generator that has like NPCs and you like, or, you know what? I always use a tavern generator as an example. You can put anything in there. Yeah. 
And like, I also have plans for like, you know, anywhere you type in a document, if you type in the format of a, um, like a dice roll, like the dice roll syntax, like, Oh, 46 plus two or whatever. Right. That'll legend keeper will be able to detect that and make that clickable and rollable. Right. Yeah. Um, Like that kind of stuff is definitely coming. Cause I think that's, that's, that's kind of thing. That's like an easy win. Um, as far as functionality goes. Sure, because um, a guy's saying, this room has 40 skeletons into it. It'd be really nice if all 40 skeletons had slightly different hit points. Yeah, that'd be super cool. Yeah. Um, and so inevitably, like, with Legend Keeper getting real-time features, right, like, the next update will have, um, you'll see pretty much almost everything update live. Like, you'll see people moving stuff around on the, uh, moving pins around on the map. You'll see edits coming through while you're reading a document. It won't have full real-time collaborative editing like Google Docs yet that is coming where wow. when you like open the editor, you'll actually see people typing. Right now, the editor is going to be like this like sand, like a sandbox where you're protected from changes outside of it, which sure. could lead to some problems. But it's one of those things I'm going to have to solve in the meantime. But, you know, you're, you're on the app and you can actually see see edits happening um, if you're like viewing an article or, you know, someone changed an image somewhere wow. or they dragged a marker. So you could also imagine a world where, let's say, like, for example, you have pins, right, which are informational. What if there's like something else that lived on the map, too, which, you know, pins are always the same size. But what if there was an informational thing that like kept its own like it as you zoomed out, it got smaller and smaller. Right. And as you zoomed in, it got bigger and bigger. Yeah, I've I've built this. I built this last year. Um, it, It got deprioritized. But then you could you could move that token like thing. Right. Uh, and then if you broadcasted that change along Legend Keeper's real-time engine that I, that I just built, then theoretically that token could move on other people's computers. Ooh. And so you end up with this thing that's like, it's not a virtual tabletop, but I could totally see people kind of engineering their own out of it. Yeah, that is cool. Okay, see, I knew, I knew that there was going to be some sort of deeper answer to the VTT question because you've been very consistent to say, "Look, Legend Keeper is not going to be a VTT product," but you see the bones of it. You right, know? exactly. Like there's because it, it it's more about gr- like taking the commonalities and like good stuff out of VTT products because Legend Keeper just kind of has different goals. It's it's first and foremost like information organization and if like vtt stuff is going to get in the way of that i've i gotta like i gotta protect like the the original goal of the app which is like being a great world building and writing platform right right because like for example the 30 percent of people you know that are doing novel stuff like what are they going to use vtt for that's it's a whole new set of opinions that comes onto the app so if VTT features were to come, it's, an, it's another thing that just needs a ton of thought and a lot of like very intentional kind of empathic design that comes with it as not to like alienate users with opinions. Yeah, right. When I can also see this is just really intuitive and easy to use at the table. Like if if you're one of those GMs that has the cool fancy table with a TV in the table, like fucking pull up Legend Keeper and zoom in on the map for your players and highlight the things and show them the stuff and like... You could totally have a player experience that you pull up at the table and display to your players. Oh, yes. It would be so I, I'm sorry. I have to like be a tease, but there's just so much I'm not telling you guys. And I'm just so what? excited about it. Don't what? do that. Come just fill your beans, bro. <laughs> uh, it's going to be so I can't I can't reveal everything. Oh, but OK. Yeah, I get that. I get that. Dragon is I think when Legend Keeper is going to start getting its stuff that is really going to start differentiating it, because like right now. Like I said, like Legend Keeper isn't doing anything like super groundbreaking, right? It's it's just trying to take these these patterns 
um, and these experiences we're accustomed to and bringing them together to create a nice like world building experience. Whereas kind of the next update is when I'm going to start looking into, okay, now, now how is Legend Keeper going to like flip the table on us? Not in a dramatic way, but just like, well, I guess flipping the table is always dramatic. Yes. Um, But just, just (laughs) in ways that are like, oh shit, like Legend Keeper has this very cool feature that's like, you know, unlike maybe some stuff we've seen before. And so that's when things like within document permissions come out, which is, I don't know of a ton of platforms that do that. No. No. Like wow. imagine having a, a single paragraph in your document that you're like, okay, only I can see this, but oh my players my can God. see the rest of the document, right? Oh my God. Yes. Okay. I'm in. Because oh a lot gosh. of people, a lot of people ask like, oh, you know, Legend Keeper, the wiki's really awesome, but can there be like a second tab that's just like DM only? And I'm like, oh, just, just you wait, just you wait. <laughs> like, it's going to be dope. Dude, I love that. Because there's always the box text. Right. There's yeah, always absolutely. there's always yep. the thing that's like, look, I want them to know the description of the room or I want them to know this thing about the world. But I don't want them to know that uh, the prince is actually a doppelganger from some other realm and, rah, 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 you know, like. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and right now in Legend Keeper, you would have to create or after Cerberus, right after the sharing, you'd have to create a completely other document and then hide that from them. And then yeah. like link them together. And it's just, it wouldn't be a good experience. But if it's just right there and just different people looking at the document see different things, that's really powerful. Oh, man, like a like a spoiler, a GM spoiler. Oh, my God. Oh, that's so good. Or okay. like imagine if like one player in your party discovered something. You could reveal it just to them. <gasps> and you okay, could say I just like, got oh, chills. by the way, like, you're the only person that knows this, right? Literally like, just got chills. Releasing it tomorrow. Oh my God! That is August twelfth. <laughs> it's coming. Twenty twenty three. You heard it here. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, so that's something that's that's pretty simple, and that's that's not a secret, right? That's I've been talking about that in the Discord for a while, um, but I'm so excited to build that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay, that is going to be cool. Like a pricing structure. Do you want to talk about that when Legend Keeper actually comes out, or do we want to? Oh yeah, absolutely. Okay. Oh uh, yeah. So One kind of the. One million dollars. So right now, to kind of bounce off what we were talking about earlier, there's a Patreon. You pay $5. I will just send you a beta invite, and you're in. Um, that's not going to last forever. Right. <laughs> I, I, I don't have infinite like hard drive space in my, in my cloud or whatever. Right. Um, so eventually, I am going to have to charge for it. But um, what I would like to do, um, if you look at all the offerings out there right now, right, like uh, OneNote and Notion and you know, other free organization tools. Like OneNote is super powerful and you get all of that for free, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's like what I have to compete with, right? Now, obviously like Legend Keeper kind of fills a niche and that like has value, but I think the base Legend Keeper product has to be free. Uh, That's like, that's what makes sense to me because it's, I want, I want people to use the app. It's one of those things that the more people use it, the more people kind of contribute, you know, just the better it gets, right? It's, it's something that's very, that can be and will be very community driven in the future. Right now, it's kind of a Braden and Justin show, but eventually it's, it's going to be opening up so that people can contribute a lot more. Yeah. And to have that kind of participation, I need people to use it, right? And so it'll the base product will be free, much like a lot of other platforms out there. And then from there will be some sort of subscription model in case you need more stuff. Like, oh, I need my maps to be even bigger, right? Right. I have 20 gigabytes of images and like my free account only has two gigs. So like I'm going to, you know, pay like the X dollars a month. You know, it'll probably be five to seven dollars, kind of like the Patreon is. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. And 
And so it'll be something along the lines of you can start for free. And if you grow to a certain point, well, you have to make that call. Do I clean up and stay under the, the free zone or am I now big enough to, hey, players, everybody chip in a buck every so often and, and let's let's let's, you know, get this subscription so that we can have even more cool stuff in our Legend Keeper experience. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's I've also I've even considered like looking for a system that lets people like pitch into like a project's like account, which would be really cool. Like if you if if you have players and they want to like throw in a buck or whatever. But one of the one of the big things like personally, I I know that pricing is a super sensitive topic, right? Like it's always very contentious. Is it your kind of and I'm not asking for a promise or anything, but it is your it is your philosophy that if you pay for the subscription or even if you don't, you get all of the features. It's just a question of how much other stuff like storage or map size or other things that that's really what you're paying for. Or do you foresee a future where, hey, some subscription levels get different feature sets than other subscription levels? I am very against that. Okay. So that's actually just what I was about to say. I don't believe that features should be arbitrarily hidden behind paywalls because it's to me, it's not the features that are costing me things, right? It's the storage and the usage that like actually like becomes a line item in my, in my budget or whatever. Yeah. But like features, I generally think it's a bad idea to paywall features. I guess in some situations it could make sense, but like what it does do when you, when you put features behind like multiple tiers is it just gets confusing as hell. Like you don't know, like the user no longer has a good grasp on what they're going to get when they subscribe. But like right. when they're like, oh, I get more of what I've been doing already. Great. I understand that. That's that's awesome. Here's here's some money. Right. I, I like that. That's the intention. And I completely understand that that may not end up being the reality. Right. Because, I mean, the world is the world. Right. And sometimes right, you know, yeah. life's not fair. And sometimes, you know, nothing in life is free. So um, that's just how it goes sometimes. But I like that. That's your take, that that's your intention is you know, to, to not have premium features. And that's really cool, man. And I think just like usage oriented pricing is just a lot more like transparent. It's obvious. It, it makes sense. It's intuitive. And you don't end up with like 12 different tiers where I've like, Oh, they get the ultra premium package to, to have the, the wiki also link to other wiki articles. Look, look, like, okay. Like, okay. Hold on, hold on. If you ever get to that point, you've got to have your, what was the kid's name? The clam raid? Digby. Digby. Yeah. Digby has got to show up as like a little clippy guy that shows up in the corner. Oh. Are you trying to make a being? And then like, <laughs> pay, pay for an extra four ninety nine a month to make a, a being article. Click the link below. Well, oh the thing, my God. Yes. Kind of, to tie back into like this idea that like all of legend keepers features need to like integrate, integrate together and be like, Oh, like a part of this whole, when you start introducing paywalls to that, you kind of break kind of that, like run antithetical to that. Yeah. Oh, great point. Great. Okay. That explains everything. That really does. That is so cool. Well, dude, this has been so much fun having you on. Yeah, this has been awesome. We, we've been wanting to have you on for a while. And I know that like I had stuff, you had stuff, and I'm so glad we finally got to talk and you've got all this cool stuff coming. So how can people find you? How can they find Legend Keeper? So patreon.com slash Legend Keeper is probably the main place where you can go and kind of see like build notes and like what Legend Keeper is all about. I'm also trying to up my Twitter game. So at Legend Keeper app, all one word, 
also out there on Twitter. So it's mainly Patreon and Twitter. Yeah, you've got a subreddit, which is a thing. Oh, yeah, and let uh, reddit.com slash r slash Legend Keeper. Yeah, and folks, we will link to all these things, so you'll see a link to the Legend Keeper Discord. That'll be above our Discord, so if you see two, that's what's going on there. Um, we'll be and below then, it. Yeah. <laughs> you and then <laughs> and then of course your your twitter and all that kind of stuff will be there so folks if you're looking for the patreon so you can give Braden five bucks to play with his awesome uh project do that do i highly recommend it it's a really cool project that he's working on but yeah all that stuff will be linked down below super easy for everybody to come on again dude i just thank you so much for your time and thank you so much for putting all that you do into this project and make it as cool as you've made it so far and and where, where it's going yeah, thank you so much. And like, thank you to everyone using it. That's that's the thing that like keeps me going, like people telling me about their their experiences like, oh, I used this at the table and it was amazing. And I'm like, oh, yes, this powers me. This fuels my soul. Yes. Oh, that's that's so like, good. Yeah, I'm the same way. Like if people say, oh, I like this episode, I'm like, yes, I will make another episode then. <laughs> I, I've put so much of my soul into Legend Keeper that it's pretty much a phylactery at this point. So like anytime people, you know, give it energy, I'm just like, oh, yeah nourishment yeah <laughs> that's awesome oh that's so good okay folks at home thanks a ton for listening and uh and joining us tonight with Braden. as always have fun and play well may all your roles be crits See? oh my holy god <laughs> you can't holy shit welcome to high shelf gaming i'm the new co-host <laughs> Bam. damn it <laughs> Thanks for listening. This episode was produced by me, David Gillespie, with music provided by Taylor Guillory. Our web presence is managed by Amy Nelson. And if you like our style, please leave a review for us on iTunes. It's the best way to help people find us. Most importantly, though, feel welcome to connect with us on Twitter, our Facebook group, Discord server, our Friday night Twitch streams, and our website, all under the name High Shelf Gaming. We really look forward to talking and playing games with you. Sorry about that. She's a very fat kitty. <laughs> That's one fat kitty. That is a happy ah. cat. I'm not touching that, Dave. You don't have to edit anything. I'm not touching it. That was amazing. Thank you, bro. 